How are you guys doing? You alright? You look okay. I mean, everyone's got their makeup on or dressed nicely, and except for, uh, oh no, we're all good. Yeah, everyone's good. Um, I want you to turn with me um, to Ma Matthew chapter 11. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been disappointed about something? Like I could, I could be, like I could be ridiculously funny right now and say, you know, if you support the Brisbane Lions, you know, but like that's that's dumb. I don't like doing that in a sermon because it, it reduces the word of God, and it, and that's what I'm going to do. But I'm serious, like disappointed, like in something or someone, and you just kind of you, you had expectations that it would be, you know, dot dot dot, and it ended up being. Did, did, did. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it could be like, and don't look at the person if they're the person in the room. <laughs> but, you know, um, but seriously, I think um, in my life, uh, yeah, being disappointed about something or not seeing an expected result, let's put it that way, I think. I think offense has a lot to do with that, like how easily offended I am. So we have this saying in our family, that person's got long toes. Have you ever heard that before? Like they're easily stepped on. You easily step on their toes. You easily get in their way. It doesn't matter what you say, how you say it, what you do. You could have the most holy intentions you could be like mother Teresa on steroids and it doesn't matter they'll take it the wrong way because they've got they're offended they are offended by something um now i have been offended i have long toes in fact i don't literally they're kind of stumpy but it's easy to get offended isn't it it's easy to get disappointed with something or someone now we could talk about people, we could talk about institutes, we could talk about churches, we could talk about pastors, we could talk about all that sort of thing today. But I want to talk about when God disappoints you, when you're disappointed with God. Maybe I'm the only person that's ever been there before. Not that I don't think that he's God. I just expected him to do one thing and he did another. Or I expected him to, you know, heal so-and-so, and he didn't. Or I expected him to save that marriage, and he didn't. Or I expected him to do a miracle in somebody's life or bring a person to Jesus, and he didn't. You ever been there before? Where it's like, you know, it's tough to talk about it. I know. I said to the Lord this week, are you sure you want me to talk about this? I'm like, can I talk about giving, tithing, please? I'll talk about anything to do with that. Because they're always tough things to talk about too. But you ever been in a place where you're disappointed with God? Like he didn't show up the way you expected him to. Are you, are you in Matthew 11? Matthew 11, verse 1. When G um, New Living Translation. Sorry, should have said that before. If you've got your phones, you can change it. New Living Translation. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his uh, 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region, 
So Jesus has just given instructions to his disciples. They've gone. He's now on his own and he's gone out to preach and teach in the towns throughout that region. Verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in prison, note that, note that, John Baptist who was where? In prison. Heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Ouch. <laughs> like some background story. John the Baptist is a cousin of Jesus. Like they've grown up. Like John the Baptist has been with Jesus before Jesus was like the thing. Before he was baptized at the age of 30, John knew him as Jesus. They played together. They kicked the ball. They built houses. They went camping together. They would have done stuff together. And John, John and Jesus had connections. Like not just on a physical level, but also on a spiritual level. Like, hold your, hold your spot there and, and go back to um, Jesus' baptism, for example. In uh, Matthew chapter 3, we see in those days, verse 1, John the Baptist came to Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And it describes John's appearance in his clothes. And in verse 7, it says this. But when John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. He said, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Like he's not being very nice to these Pharisees, right? John is a tough fella. He's out there and he is preparing the what? The way. He's preparing the way. He's a voice in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. He's waiting for the Messiah. He's preparing the way for the Messiah, the promised anointed one, the Christ, who would come and save God's people. And he gets stuck into these religious Pharisees. And he says, yes, even uh, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Like he doesn't like them. He's not trying to make friends with them. He's just telling them the truth. And he says in verse 11, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's telling these Pharisees that there's going to come a Messiah and he's, he's the one who baptizes not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. That means, that means he, you get saved, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. At the coming of Jesus, everything gets baptized in fire. 
This is a this is a judgment baptism of fire. This is not some kind of you know it's not a it's not a Pentecostal fire of the Holy Spirit. Two different things: baptized with the Spirit and baptized with fire. Baptized just means immersed, put under, put into. All right. Now it might sound scary. Everything's going to burn up one day. Don't worry. That's why Jesus came, so that everything will be gone, but He'll make a new heaven and a new earth and a new you. Amen. All right. All the people with pains said, yes, amen. And he continues on to, to these Pharisees that are coming to be baptized. He says, Jesus, he's speaking about the coming Messiah. He says, he is ready to separate chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never ending fire. John's being poetic there. And he's saying, basically, if you don't get your lives right, you're going to go to hell. That's what he's saying to these Pharisees. He's not trying to make friends with them, is he? He's a tough fella. And then, verse 13, Jesus enters the scene. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Why? Because he realized who he was. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, I know that's a lot of reading, right? We basically just read the whole chapter three of Matthew. But I give you that as context because this is who John sees Jesus as, the Messiah, the Son of God. It was declared from the heavens when he was baptized. John was there baptizing him and he knows this is, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This, my cousin Jesus is the Messiah. That sounds like a great title for a movie. John is the promised one who was to come to prophesy the coming of Jesus. And he saw the baptism, he witnessed it, and he knew that was the Messiah. Then we fast forward to where our reading is today. And where's John? Not at the River Jordan baptizing people, not putting down the Pharisees for wanting to get baptized. But where is he? He's locked up. He's locked up. Why is he locked up? Why is he in prison? By the way, prison's not a fun place to be. Like these days in Australia, it's probably not a fun place to be. But in those days, it was really bad. He was actually in prison in Herod's, in Herod's region uh, because... Why? Herod didn't like what he had to say. Oh, sorry, Tassie had the answer. I'm sorry, Tass. But John was doing the right thing. John was doing the right thing. John was following God. John was, John was doing what God had told him to do. John was doing what God had prophesied hundreds of years before to do. John realized, hey, I'm the voice. I'm the voice in the wilderness. It's my job. This is why I'm alive. I'm here to declare the way for the Messiah. There's the Messiah. Fantastic. Life's going to be great. No. Locked up in prison. Where are you, God? And so we see John is in prison. And while he's in prison, Jesus's ministry starts to flourish. Jesus has the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But we see in our passage today, John is in prison and he heard about the things the Messiah was doing. He heard about it. He's like, oh, wow. 
I, I hear this stuff, but these great things that are happening, but I'm still in prison. Like I know he's God and I know he's doing good things for other people, but I'm still in prison. Anybody? Like, you know what I mean? Let's read on in our passage today, Matthew 11. After he said, ask the question, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else, right? Jesus doesn't come back and say, how dare you not believe what you saw before? He comes back and says, go back to John, to these men. He goes, says, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. This is good stuff. Tell him, tell him this is what you can hear and see. And verse 6, tell him this. God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. You know, the Beatitudes are in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus shares some teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he shares all these things and there's the Beatitudes there. You ever read the Beatitudes? Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the, you know, and all those, read them. And here's another little Beatitude tucked away in Matthew 11. Jesus gives John, his own little beatitude, his own little blessing, his own little doxology. He says, own little benediction, sorry. He says, blessed are those who do not turn away because of me. You know, Jesus, um, Jesus could have responded by saying, go back and tell John to remember what he saw at my baptism. He could have said that, right? But he didn't. He said, tell him what you see now. Tell him what you see now. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. That's a really tough thing to do. This, um, this word turn away in um, verse 6 you see it there, or you might have the word offended in your version. I'm not sure. Anyone got the word offended there? Okay. Stumble. Did you have stumble? Yeah. Because I know in Luke is the same passage, same rendering. Um, but here is this word, um, it's scandalizo. We get our word scandal from it. And it's actually, it, it actually means to set a snare, a stumbling block, literally to fall into a trap. Blessed is the person who doesn't fall into a trap because of me. So here's John. Where is he? In prison. It's a dark place. He's not in ministry. He's not seeing what Jesus is doing. He's, not, he's just hearing about it. He's not seeing what he expects to see. He's done what God's asked him to do, and now his life's not blessed. And Jesus says, blessed. But my life's not blessed. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're blessed. Blessed is the person who does not 
Turn away because of me. If you're following God, if you're doing what God asked you to do, if you're living the life that he asks you to live and wants you to live, if you're being the kind of neighbor to your neighbors that you should be, if you're being the kind of daughter to your parents or the wife to your husband or the sibling to your siblings, if you're, if you're following God and honoring him at work and things are going wrong in your family or at work or in life, don't fall into the trap. Jesus is at work. He is at work, even if you can't see him at work. If we turned off these lights in this room and shut all the doors and blanked it off, it would be black in here, right? How many of you would be able to get from where you're sitting to the door in the dark? But let's say I warn you and I say, okay, like in five minutes, I'll turn off the lights. And you've got to get from where you're sitting out the door over there in the dark, pitch black. You could possibly do it. But when the lights go out, it's hard to remember what was true when there was light. When everything's going well, when everything's going well in your life, God is good, right? All the time. All the time, God is good. But when the lights go out or you're in prison or you're locked up or God didn't step in like you expected him to step in, you have to go back to what it looked like when the lights were on. What God says about himself. What God said about his son. Jesus could have said that, but he didn't. He said, blessed is the, is the man, who, the one who does not turn away because of me. Jesus spoke of John the Baptist as um, a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. And in 1 Kings uh, 19, we see this great prophet Elijah cowering on his own, running away from a woman. He'd forgotten who he was. He complained to God. He's like, I'm the only prophet in here and you've got no other people around God. And God took him to a place where he could just be with him. And it says, uh, when he, when he was up on this mountaintop in, in 1 Kings 19, I'll just read it out for you. It's a beautiful story. The Lord said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose from the mountain, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. God didn't reprimand him. God was present with him. Jesus 
What he does next for John, in John's disappointment, is he doesn't reprimand him. In Matthew 11, verse 7, as John's disciples were leaving to go and give this report back to John in prison, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. This is what he said. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I'm sending you my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, says Jesus, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. I think that's just beautiful grace right there. Because here's John in prison complaining about Jesus, blaming God in a sense. He's like, are you the one? Are you actually the one who's going to come to save us? And I'm in prison. And Jesus doesn't get back at him. He responds with grace. I think that's step one to dealing with disappointment in your life. Allow what Jesus thinks of you to saturate your identity. Like these men go back to John with this message from Jesus and that's going to speak volumes over what John has been speaking over his, him, himself. In, in that, It's hard in prison. I'm not blaming John. I've never been in prison, but it's hard. And I'm sure it'll be hard to be in prison for being a Christian. There's plenty of people right now that are in prison for being Christians. But Jesus, Jesus responds with words of grace. And Jesus responds by blessing him. And then he responds to the crowd while, the, while John's disciples are leaving in earshot. He says, this is John. Like, yes, he might be in prison, but he's this kind of man. None is greater than him that have ever lived. But even in the kingdom of God, the least person is greater than him. That's how Jesus works. If you're offended by someone or something or even God, allow God's word speak to you, to speak to you. Remember what he said when the lights were on and everything was good. So that when it's dark, you can remind yourself. One more thing about this disappointment, dealing with disappointment. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, In verse 18 of John's Gospel, after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. 
the leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Um, it's good to have a heads up when your expectations don't get met, but that doesn't happen in life, does it? Usually when we get disappointed by God or somebody else, it happens straight away. We don't get any kind of warning. But Jesus, he, he knew, he had, a, he had a sense. He knew that the Judas was about to betray him. And he stepped into that place of being betrayed because he knew that's what God's call was on his life. He was, he was so... He was so led by the Lord that it didn't matter what came his way, he knew God's call on his life. And so if it meant that one of his closest friends was going to be betray him, then he stepped into it, knowing that God was with him and God's will would be done. And I guess that's my message for tonight is that that's what John was facing too. John was going to die in prison. In fact, we, the end of the story is not good for John. <laughs> He lost his head. Yeah. He lost his head and, and some girl carried it around at a party. Like, that's not prosperity gospel, is it? You say, you're like, follow Jesus and everything's going to go awesome for you. You know, and that's why so many people fall away from Jesus because they hear a different gospel. They hear a message that says, if you follow God, everything's going to be awesome. And that's not true. But it is. Just not right now. You know, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart of overcome the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes to the Father must come through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Bad times will come. Disappointments will come. It's how we deal with it. Go back to what God said last. Listen to what God says about you. And walk in his strength. A final hint, a final, sorry, final um, point for, for disappointment and um, uh, betrayal. No, not betrayal. Disappointment and disillusionment maybe with people that are dear to us and, love, and you love and that maybe they disappointed you. Something that you've got to do beforehand is really important. Each and every day, wake up in the morning, pray, and spray yourself with Teflon. Don't do it literally. It's a metaphor. Don't let stuff stick. You know, Teflon they use on the non-stick coating of the fry pans. Don't let stuff stick. It's like oil. So allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Bring that satisfaction. Bring that approval. I get my approval from God. I find my identity in Him. You know, anything that comes my way that's not Him, it just slides right off. Just let it slide right off. And if it's too hard, if you're still holding on to it, then maybe you just need to get on your knees and talk to Jesus about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure who's listening to that message tonight. I'm just being the obedient person delivering it, dealing with disappointment. It's hard.
but even the greatest Christian face disappointment. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you are victorious. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he won the day. And thank you, Lord, that we know that um, we have a wonderful, wonderful life in eternity with you because of our faith in your grace, your amazing grace. It's all you, Lord. Thank you so much for showering us with your love and your grace that you revealed in Jesus. And Lord, help us, Lord, to deal with those times in our life where our expectations of you or others uh, aren't met. And help us, Lord, to realign uh, our thinking to what your thinking is, Lord God. And help us just to bring you glory wherever we are, whatever we do. And we just pray in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, just your help upon the soul tonight that is, is struggling with offense, is struggling with dealing with disappointment, maybe forgiveness. Lord, I just pray a special grace upon them, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would fill them afresh. Lord, just anoint them for that act of giving that divine love and forgiveness. Lord, we just thank you so much that you do, you do that to us. You've done that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.